Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For everything for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome back into the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you. A loaded, loaded Blue Horseshoe Podcast for you here on this Tuesday. We got Nathan Baird, Cleveland.com, Ohio State beat writer, kind of talking about TJ Shroud, how close TJ Shroud was coming to actually returning to Ohio State, and now what kind of he projects to be at the next level. And that's a guy I'm sure the Colts and the Colts fans will be looking at a lot here in the next few months as the Colts again try to evaluate their quarterback. Big board. We have our big board, George, the Blue Horseshoe official quarterback rankings of the four quarterbacks in the draft. Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. George and I will give you our rankings of where we think the Colts should be, where the Colts should be ranking those guys uh, in terms of draftability as well. But we will start, George, with the latest, the head coaching search. My number one candidate, at least I think a lot of Colts fans, top candidate they thought was going to be coming to Indy, Jim Harbaugh. Instead, does a 180 and is returning to Michigan. I don't know about you, George. I'm surprised that he is is not going to the NFL in general, let alone not coming to the Colts. He is staying at Michigan. Uh, I, I are you surprised about it at this point? And is it you know now that he's off the board? Is this is this really even at this point uh, something that the Colts are, are shocked about and or have to kind of scramble with their head coaching search? Yeah, you know, I I had heard back like all the way back to November that he was coming, not not necessarily here, but that this was the year that he was going to jump to the NFL. Uh, and that was the sense. You saw stories like that in the Athletic. You saw stuff all around. Uh, he was, you know, talking to the Panthers. He was talking to the Broncos. Uh, it seemed like all the momentum was was going in that way. But then in the last week or two, uh, it really seemed to turn, and all the momentum was more that he was going back to Michigan. And then obviously yesterday, that was on Monday, that was the uh, decision that, that came out, the announcement that came out from the president there. And then shortly thereafter, Jim Harbaugh followed that up. So I don't think the Colts were surprised by this. I think it's telling that he was never on the interview list. Um, and it's not, I mean, we talked before about the college guys would be quiet. We don't know. You know, if they've interviewed Matt Campbell or Ryan Day or, or anybody at, at the college level, we're not going to know about it. Uh, not unless somebody on that side leaks it because the college coaches don't want to know. That's not been the case with, with Harbaugh. Clearly uh, I think there were neon signs where he was hmm. going. So I think we can pretty safely say uh, that, that he, that he wasn't in the mix here. And I would say that's probably why. I mean, one thing about Chris Ballard, he takes a lot of hits for a lot of reasons and, and some of them very deservedly. So he's done a really good job of, of reading the situation most of the time, reading the rest of the league. So I would guess he he at least had an idea or an inkling this was coming. I have heard from a couple different sources that that Harbaugh had a very high asking price, and that it was something that that a lot of teams were not willing to meet. Uh, if Carolina was on that list, and I'm speculating here, 
but if Carolina was on that list, if your asking price was higher than David Tepper, then that's a pretty high number, you know, whatever, whatever that's going to be. Um, so I don't know if that's an, a factor here, but I definitely don't think he, I think from a media standpoint, from a fan standpoint, he was the, the obvious number one candidate. I don't know if that was ever the case inside the building. Interesting. You know, obviously, like, you know, we've talked about this on the, on the pod before. Like, I thought that was the, the guy for the Colts, whether it's the, you know, the previous history of him here in Indy or the fact that, again, he was 44 and 19 and one and went to three NFC title games in his time in San Francisco. I know it was a short lived tenure and he kind of, you know, wore out his welcome very quickly there. But you see in the NFL, especially with it, where this Colts team is trending this year, you figured you want to go, you know, get a guy who's a winner, get a guy who, at least in Michigan, the last two years was able to turn that team into a, a, physical specimen where that was a team that again won just by bludgeoning you to death basically and just running the ball down your throat playing great offense uh and having you know i should say deep and physical town on the offensive defensive lines which is something that the colts especially this way this year kind of lost their way especially in the offensive venue i at least thought that would be a a perfect match that's interesting would you call it a mistake to not be interested because i think now i don't again i don't know what the asking price is so he's asking for the stars and the moon and you're not going to give it to him that's one thing, but if it's a reasonable ask, I at least would say it's a mistake, George, and the Colts not even entertaining an interview that we know of. Like I said, Jim Harbaugh is the only guy that has, has not been shy college-wise about who he's talking to, when he's talking to him. So you would think if there was some sort of discussion and or interview, we would have heard about it. And like I said, there has been none, so it's seemingly the Colts were not really interested. I think that's just a mistake in terms of not even trying to you know snoop around there and see if that this was a guy that would, would fit this team well. Yeah, I think, you know, depending on what, what the rationale is behind it, I think it could definitely be something that haunts this team. Um, I, I agree with you. I thought the the roster was really well suited uh, to Jim Harbaugh. We talked, you know, way back when about this being him being probably the one big name that, that they could entice uh, because of the roster, because of the previous relationship with the owner. I don't know if I'd go so far to say they didn't snoop around. I'd be surprised if there wasn't some contact when he was here for the Big Ten championship game. I mean, he was here for a week in Indianapolis. Uh, all of that could have been kept very quiet. You know, it, it may have been as simple, and again, total speculation on my part, but it may have been as simple as them during that process finding out what the asking price was and, and sort of walking away. I will say, like, from what I had heard, that's when things started to cool off. Uh, before that, I had heard a lot of, hey, look, he might be the guy. He's definitely coming somewhere in the NFL. He's got ties to the Colts. And then the Big Ten Championship week came and went. And after that, it seemed like it was cooler. Now, maybe that's a coincidence. Maybe it's just, you know, the perspective from where I'm sitting. But that's the way it played out hmm. as I viewed it. Interesting. So Jim Harbaugh is now officially out of the Colts running and out of anyone's running since he's going back to Michigan. One other thing I want to throw by here before I talk about where the Colts go from me or George. Sean Payton. Sean Payton, he came down on Monday evening, completed an interview with the Houston Texans. And the other three teams right now with openings outside of the Colts, the Panthers, Cardinals, and Panthers. I'm so sorry. Broncos. Broncos. I'm so sorry. Blank on everything here. All, all either have interviews set up or have received permission to interview Sean Payton. There's one team, George, out of the five with current openings that has not even requested permission to talk with Sean Payton. Colts. Why is that? I'm thinking a lot of similar things that we were just talking about with Harbaugh. Uh, I'm not sure Jim Mercy wants to pay what it's going to cost to get Sean Payton. We'll see. Uh, but I, I don't get that indication. And I'm definitely certain that Chris Ballard won't be wild about giving up draft picks to, to get him, especially 
in a draft where he may need to move up to get a quarterback. We'll see how that goes, but they're probably going to draft a quarterback one way or another. So I don't think Chris Ballard, just knowing the way he operates, I don't think he'd be wild about offering something to the Saints. Uh, and right now, I think Peyton himself said a, a mid to late round, uh, first round pick, right. which, you know, that's the Colts aren't giving up number four. That's for sure. They don't have another one. So uh, they, they may just not be able to to meet what it takes to to get Sean Payton. Now, again, maybe they have explored. Like I said, we don't know what goes on in these back channels. So maybe they have explored it and they just, the Saints said, we're not going to take a future one. We're taking a one this year. I, I have no idea. Right? This is just me speculating and just going off what we know so far. But it's like, I mean, I think if the Saint, if the Saints would say, you know what, we'll give you Sean Payton and we'll take next year's one. Honestly, uh, George, I think it's worth it. Even though that could hurt the Colts trade up to number one and maybe that could, you know, hamstring them a little bit about which quarterback they, they do get. I mean, Sean Payne's a guy who, again, you see what he done with, with, with Drew Brees. He's the guy that has taken a, a franchise in New Orleans that was maybe on the cusp of moving, honestly, and has really kind of made them, you know, a mainstay in one of the best teams the last 15 years, one of the most consistent teams in the NFL. I think he's worth it. I think he's worth whatever he's asking for, $15 million a year if, you, if that's his, his asking price. I think he's worth trading a future one to bring him in here just because I think, especially now with Jim Harbaugh going, I think he's by far the most He's the most qualified candidate on the market you can get. I think he is by far the surest thing you can get. And if you're the Colts, like, you know, one of those bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. I think it's worth having the bird in the hand, even though it costs you, uh, you know, a pretty penny to get him. I think it's worth it, honestly. I think there's no doubt he's the number one guy in this this cycle. I think he has been all along. I think he is, you know, the top guy out there. He's the only one with the Super Bowl ring. Uh, what he went through in, in 2005 alone in New Orleans is, is incredible. Uh, and to be able to come through that and, and get that franchise to, to the heights that he took it, I it's a very small list of head coaches who could have done that. You know, how many guys had gone through that would have been there still in 2010, in all honesty, when you're talking about the damage to the, to the stadium moving around and, you know, where the franchise was when he took over. Um it's one of the hardest situations I can imagine anyone walking into in NFL history, uh, just in terms of the city, the state, everything was, was in chaos when he got there. Uh, and obviously, you know, they, they win the Super Bowl, they're a perennial contender. Uh, and I think the Colts have, if, if there's one thing during the Ballard era in particular that you can point to that that's been a mistake, a repeated mistake by this franchise, they have not taken big swings like this. You know, it's happened on players over and over again. I mean, how how different is this season if, say, Teron Armstead is is a left tackle? You know, we don't know. We'll never know. Um, but those are those are the kind of things that they've not been willing to do to go get the big, you know, the big contract guy, the the number one guy that that's on the market uh, at any of the positions. Because even with the quarterback spot, they've never gotten the guy in that offseason, the one that everybody felt like was the the consensus top guy you know uh and so i think not looking into sean payton is sort of repeating that mistake again that's not to say that i don't think that there's good candidates in this coaching search i think there's several that, that they could win with that could do a really good job here but again you're settling for you know something less than the than the number one guy which i think they've done too often and it's again it's another hope move like oh i hope you know we'll talk about some where the colts go from here in a, uh colts go from here in a second but it's like i hope Ben Johnson or 
Dan Quinn or Mike Kafka. Like, there's a bunch of candidates. Obviously, the Colts have uh, requested interviews and are interviewing Raheem Morris. I hope he works out and is the next great head coach. And maybe you're right. Maybe it does work out. But again, the Colts have done this a lot where they hope Carson Wentz can turn it around and be the guy. Obviously, he was not. They hope Matt Ryan can kind of brush up a little, you know, let's say, you know, late season magic or, or late career magic here and have a, a career similar to, or have a year at least similar to Phillip Rivers where he kind of finds a fight, uh, fountain of youth and all of a sudden now is a, is a, is a core that can get the Colts to the playoffs. Swing and miss on that. So they have tried for these projects where they hope it works out. And so far, the last two especially have blown up in their face and have been extremely costly. Again, I just don't understand how it's like you have a known commodity sitting in front of you. Sure, the price is high, but you you pay a high price uh, high price for greatness. They did that with DeForest Buckner, give him a first round pick, and it I think it's worked out pretty well so far. So it was just one of those things where I don't understand how you can even just not take an interview and even explore it. I like he's interviewing with the Texans, and you know, uh, multiple times Sean Payne has talked about the most important thing being the owner, and I honestly thought that would discount then the Colts from from being in the run and being in the mix. He's interviewing Cal McNair. So it's not like, you know, he's not allowing the Texans incompetence to, you know, to turn them away. So I think if the Colts requested an interview, he would grant it. You could at least go from there. And again, we believe he's someone who kind of wants to have a lot of control and say, we also had a, a GM and Mickey Loomis there in New Orleans. It wasn't like he was operating, running the whole ship in New Orleans by himself. He had a GM work with him. And we've talked to Chris Ballard kind of, not bending the knee, but working with the head coach to kind of get the players the head coach wants. So I think Chris Ballard absolutely would work with Sean Payton and get him, you know, they would be a partnership, not a dictatorship, if you will, of, of Chris Ballard saying, this is my guy, I'm getting him, you work, you figure it out. I think there would be a partnership there of, of figuring out whether it's a quarterback, whether it's another player in free agency or making a trade or in the draft. They would talk about it and come to a consensus agreement on I just don't get. I just don't understand George why there's not even discussion. Like if they discuss it and he says I'm not interested, that's one thing. If they discuss it and the Saints like we want three first round picks, okay, fine, that's another thing. But to not even put the request in or even have a conversation when everyone else has done it, we look at the Cardinals who have the number three overall pick. They're a similar spot as the Colts where they only have one first round pick. The Texans have two, so it does help. You have to you know the number two and the number twelve, so you can say okay, you could trade the number twelve, but it's not as costly because you still keep your high pick if you're Houston. But the Broncos, you know. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Later round, first round pick after you know the, the trade for Bradley Chubb. But either way, you have at least the Cardinals and the Colts picking three and four, similar draft capital situation. Cardinals are interviewing them. Colts are not. Mistake. Yeah. Big mistake. No, I mean to not even have a request in is, yeah, I I don't understand it. Um, again, he's a clear top guy, and and you're not going after him for whatever reason. Um, and again, I think that's been if you want to look for the number one drawback to the Ballard era that to me is it right there you know they were in on Matthew Stafford but they dropped out early um you know I don't think they were ever in on Tom Brady you look at the big the the consensus home run moves um they they've never made one of them uh while he's been here and in many cases they haven't made a a real significant effort that we know of to go and, and get those things done so 
Um, I think the whole situation with Sean Payton, I don't, think he, I don't think he would ultimately be the guy, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking right. about taking that swing, you know, and, and not just watching the pitch go by. Uh, right, right now, at least, that, that, that appears to be what the Colts are doing, and it, it's really, it's indefensible. Right, like I said, he could turn him down and, okay, fine, but at least you tried. At least you're at the dance asking the question. You have the opportunity to get turned down or the opportunity to be said yes to. You don't even, like I said, don't even step in the batter's box, take a swing. Then you, you're hurting yourself. I think it's a, a major disservice and a major fail in the Colts for not even trying. Because at least at the end of the day, if he says, ah, thanks, but no thanks, I'm going to go somewhere else, I'm going to sit this year out, at least you can say, well, we tried. And whether it's even a small win as the, the fan base saying, well, they tried, what are you going to do? And that's... Even if it just that's the mindset alone, I think that should have been the, the Colts, at least again, bare minimum requesting going through the interview process with Sean Payton and seeing what kind of where his feelers are. But instead, like I said, here we are again, known commodity out there. Colts are saying thanks, but no thanks. So, where do the Colts go from here, George? Last week, we kind of talked about the first batch of interviews the Colts are going through Raheem Morris, uh, Hero Vero out of uh, out of Denver as well. And now, the latest um, batch of requests made so far in the last few days, the Colts have made. Giants fence coordinator, Wink Martindale. Giants offense coordinator, Mike Kafka. D'Amico Ryan's 49ers fence coordinator uh, is scheduled to interview the Colts as well. And also last week, out of nowhere, Colts did interview Eric Bieniemy, Chiefs offense coordinator. That was a, a surprise considering that there's no reports of even requests. And all of a sudden you have Jim Mercer saying, oh yeah, we completed an interview with Eric Bieniemy." So now that Jim Harbaugh, George, is back in Michigan, now that Sean Payton is, is seemingly, for whatever reason, out of the picture or not even a consideration to start with, where do the Colts go from here? That's a good question. And I will say this. It's almost on lockdown right now over there. There's there's almost nothing coming out. I think that's part of why you keep hearing Jeff Saturday's name so much. Uh, because really the only like really uh, strong thing that you can cling to right now is knowing that Jim Irsay likes Jeff Saturday. I think he's pretty much Jeff Saturday's agent at this point. Uh, <laughs> and so you're going to. I think that's why the national media keep coming with that that name because right now it's really been almost nothing coming out of, of West 56th Street in terms of, you know, who did they like, who did they not like. Um, the one sort of whisper that's been sneaking out a little bit, I know Zach Kiefer had it at The Athletic. I think Bob Kravitz had uh, have mentioned it. I, I think maybe Kevin Bowen mentioned it on the radio here in Indy. Um, the one sort of like quiet whisper is that Raheem Morris's interview went really well on Friday. Uh, so if you want to call him a front runner based on that, I'll leave that up to you. I'm not going to go that far. Um, but that is the one thing that I've heard kind of leak. I think with him, the, the strength is, uh, one, he's, he's been here before. He was only 33 when he got the head coaching job in Tampa. Uh, but I think he's a guy that could kind of get the circus out of town. We've been talking about that before. You know, I think one of the big things here, one of the most important things for whoever gets this job is to kind of calm things down before this rookie quarterback gets in here. You don't want to pile that on to, to whoever that uh, ends up being's plate. Uh, and I think Raheem Morris is a guy who can, much like we were talking about with Leslie Fla Frazier's candidacy, if nothing else, I think Raheem, Raheem Morris is a guy who can come in and bring stability in that regard. Um, I think one of his biggest strong suits, aside from being really uh, – just renowned throughout the league for his ability to connect with players. I think one of his other biggest strong suits is he could, he could put together a pretty good staff. You know, he's been with, with uh, Sean McVay now for a couple of years uh, with the Rams. And he obviously won a Super Bowl there with him. There had been talk that if McVay had retired, he would be the guy uh, as there was last year that, that he would have been the guy. So I think that's worth 
something as well. You know, the, the people that are around him out there right now wanted him to take over a, a Super Bowl winning team. Um, I, I think he would not be a bad choice. I think there's a lot to like there. Uh, still relatively relatively young. I think he's 46. Um, so you're still looking at a guy who I think has new ideas to bring to the table too, which I think is something that would be interesting with this this staff. Uh, among the young coordinators, it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. I think everyone wants to look at offensive coordinator. Uh, obviously, seven of the eight remaining teams are led by guys who came up on the offensive side of the ball. I would also note that Raheem Morris coached wide receivers for a while in Atlanta, so he's done both. He's a defensive guy, but he's done both, which makes him a unique candidate in that route. Um, but looking at the offense coordinators, I think Ben Johnson, uh, right now, word is that maybe he's Carolina's front runner. We'll see how that goes. Um, Shane Steichen is tough for me to wrap my head around for the simple reason that and Philadelphia did this, so it's not unprecedented, but you're going to be hiring the offensive coordinator of the offensive coordinator of the guy you fired. Now, Philly did it. They fired Doug Peterson. That's true. And then went and got Nick Sirianni. So maybe this is just going to be an endless cycle where the Colts and Eagles just keep <laughs> hiring each other's offensive coordinators. Um, but I just, for me, I'm not sure what the end point there is. Like, if you're going to fire Frank Reich and end up with Shane Steichen, aren't you kind of back where you began? I, I, it shouldn't rule him out if he's the absolute best candidate. He's the absolute best candidate. It's just something right now in a vacuum. It's hard for me to to wrap my head around that. Uh, so that would leave us with Eric Bieniemy and Mike Kafka as far as the offensive guys go. Um, Kafka put a really nice notch on his resume on Sunday with, with Daniel Jones' performance. I think his work with Jones this year in particular has been really good. Um, and then I think Bieniemy, you know, perennial candidate, right? I think it was the 15th time, 16th time he's interviewed in the last five years in the 15th team, so almost half the league that, that he's interviewed with. Um, obviously he's got connections with the front office here. So does Kafka. He was in Kansas city as well, uh, for a year with, with Chris Ballard. And obviously Ballard's going to have all the Intel he needs on those two guys, uh, you know, just from Andy Reed and, and we know the relationship they have. So it's an interesting situation. You know, I think all of those guys are probably in play to some level or another, but what's really making things so intriguing here is Ballard has let very little, slip outside those doors which to address that right there's a lot there so just address that first and foremost i think that's a great sign like i said it's you know i know the latest report from jonathan jones of cbs sports on i think it was saturday or sunday before one of the playoff games was you know hey jim mercy still you know likes jeff saturday a lot i think you're right i think the reason that's being reported now again is just because nothing's leaking out which i think is a great sign for the Colts going forward here that everything so far is on lockdown and also that i think it's fair to, to say george correct me if i'm wrong that even though in title and Jim Mercer said Chris Ballard is leading the head coaching search, I think it actually means Chris Ballard is truly leading the head coaching search here, and Jim Mercer is not interfering too much because, again, Chris Ballard seems like a guy who's close to the best. and not want a lot of things leaking out of the media, and so far that has come to fruition. We're kind of sitting here grasping where, like I said, outside of hearing the Raheem Morris interviewing really well, you haven't heard really anything outside of who they're interviewing and when they're interviewing them. So I think it's great. Yeah, no, I think that's a good sign. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see where it goes because I, I still don't think they're done. Uh, I haven't heard, you know, as we sit here about one o'clock recording on, on Tuesday, I haven't heard any more names come out. Uh, but again, we won't know. There's the enemy was a secret. No one right. knew uh, that That's that had true. happened. And and there could be others in there, you know, especially when it comes to college names, as we talked about before, if, if there's any of those guys in here, 
Um, they, they could be not even revealed by a Jim Irsay tweet. So I think it'll be interesting to, to see how this all plays out, who rises to the top. I'd still be surprised if Leslie Frazier doesn't at least interview. Um, haven't heard him be requested yet, but also Ballard's been talking about taking his time. You know, we heard that Kafka and Martindale won't interview this week, for instance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe he, he knows. I just know that Leslie Frazier is w- really well liked in that building. So it'd be surprising to me if he isn't at least brought in, uh, if they don't at least talk to him. Uh, but we'll see. You know, we'll see where it goes. I, I think there's still some turns in this road to be made. Um, but right now, just almost radio silence, which I agree, I think is a good thing. We talked a lot about the candidacy of Ben Johnson, of Shane Steichen on the last Blue Horseshoe Pod. So if you missed it, make sure you download and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Pod. If you did break down a lot of the initial talent pool and candidate pool when the list and the request kind of leaked out last week. So make sure you check that out. Uh, that was Thursday's pod, the last one we did. But to at least talk about some of the few names and the newer names, George, that we heard uh, this week. So I like Mike Kafka a lot. You, you see out, even just what he did with Dalen Jones this season, but you look at the Minnesota playoff game. Now, look, the, the Vikings defense stinks. We saw the, saw the Colts put up 33 points in the first half. So we know that you can score on that defense. But like you said, it's the fact that he's in Kansas City. It's the fact that him and Brian Dayball go to, uh, go to New York this year with a quarterback that was broken in Dalen Jones, like truly broken between Pat Shermer, between Jason Garrett, like that, that, the whole mess in New York was a disaster in Daniel Jones' first three years in the NFL. And they're able to build him up to a point where you're running a playoff game with a guy in his fourth year. I think it's very impressive. And Daniel Jones and Mike Kafka is the, is the main play caller. So, you know, Brian Dayball, you know, was the offensive coordinator in Buffalo with Josh Allen's rise. And you see, you know, Brian Dayball now has a track record of building quarterbacks up. Mike Kafka is the one calling the plays, which is good to kind of see that, you know, He's not just uh, offense coordinator and title. Like he's truly having a major impact on the success of the Giants here this last month, which I do like. And again, you think that whatever quarterback they do draft, Mike Kafka would be able to develop them, which I think is massive going forward here. Same thing with Shane Second. Like I said, it's that's a good point. I didn't even think about too much. How much different is Shane Second uh, as head coach of the Colts compared to Frank Reich? I'll be honest with you, I had not thought about too much. Now, like I said, it worked out in in, in Philly. Nick Sirianni has a different personality, even though he's kind of off the Doug Peterson tree, and him and Frank Reich are all kind of intertwined. But it has worked out so far. And Ben Johnson's well, you see the creativity he's brought to Detroit. I think those are the three guys offensively you cannot go wrong with personally. And I think all three have the traits and qualities from an offensive perspective you're looking for when it comes to developing and providing an offense with some spark, which we saw this year for the most part had zero spark whatsoever. D'Amico Ryans is one I'm interested in on the defensive end. You mentioned it, the stat before, and I think it is very key. Seven of the eight teams remaining in the playoffs are uh, led by head coaches with offensive background experience. It is a copycat league, and I don't think that's an accident per se of having a lot of, def- of offensive-minded coaches have success in the playoffs. And a lot of those quarterbacks right now winning in the playoffs and winning playoff games are young up-and-coming quarterbacks as well, all ages 28 and below for the most part. So it's a young man's game quarterback-wise. We have seen the development from these offensive head coaches work right now with their young quarterbacks. I think that's a model the culture follows well. But I will say that the D'Amico Ryan to me is very intriguing. As you watch that defense in San Francisco this year, my goodness, they play hard. They are spirited as well. It helps us a lot of talent, but they they really play to the whistle every single uh, every single play. And they just that leadership that D'Amico Ryan's has has really kind of shown those entire season. That's someone that I'm really interested to see how his interview goes uh, later this week. Yeah, I think he's the one guy on the defensive side that I, aside from Morris, that I would really 
say, yeah, I'm all in with him. Uh, I think he's a guy. He's been out there with Kyle Shanahan. I think he could put together a pretty good staff as well. He's seen, you know, what good offense looks like uh, firsthand. He's been right there with with one of the better offenses in the league. Um, and I think just anybody who, who's in that Shanahan tree, I don't care which side of the ball they are. I think being around him, being around that organization right now, to me, that's a benefit. That's something I would want in my organization. You look at the 49ers winning with a third string quarterback. I don't think that's coincidence. I think they're one of the best run teams right now in the NFL. And so if you're going to go and, and bring somebody in from that culture uh, who's had the kind of success that D'Amico Ryans has had, I wouldn't be against it at all. I wonder his interest level here. You know, I, he was part of those Texans teams that were punching bags for the Colts for for a few sure. years, there might be a hurdle uh, that, that he might need to overcome here. But I, I would absolutely, if D'Amico Ryans is the guy at the end of the day, I think that would be a really good hire. If you can't beat him, join him, George. That's what I'll say to D'Amico. That's for sure. Last thing I'll ask you here is this. We've heard nothing, right? Like I said, you just mentioned before, it's been basically tight-lipped over there uh, at the Colts facility. It is January 17th. Will we have a head coach to Tuesdays from now on January 31st. That's the let's say the over under date, January 31st. You mentioned Wink Martindale and Mike Kafka not interview this week, so that's already pushing the search back. Assuming they don't find their guy that they fall in love with, you know, either this week or early next week. Will we have by January 31st a head coach of the Colts? I I'm ultimately going to say yes uh, for this reason. I think I know that Chris Ballard said doesn't care if it takes till mid February, but I think part of that was just driving home the point that they're going to be patient, and they obviously are. And that they're casting a big net. But I think most teams, it's not a like solid, you know, ironclad rule, but most teams want that head coach and that staff in place for the senior bowl because you want to be able to get those guys eyes on, you know, the players. The first time you really get to look at that. I know the senior bowl, hugely important to Chris Ballard. Um, I, I don't know that it's essential. I, I think there's ways around it. You can always watch the tape later when they get in and, and all those things. But I think it's just something that, in general, teams want to have that coaching staff in place uh, so that you can go down to the Senior Bowl together and you can do those evaluations in person together. I would think that all things equal, that's that's what the Colts would want to do here. Now, granted, if, if the candidate's on the Super Bowl staff, it's not going to happen. You right. know, so, so we'll see. Seen that before. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I think you'd need you need pretty good confidence. But again, you know, in terms of like Kafka and Bienemy, I don't know how big of a worry that is. Not not that the Giants are Super Bowl bound, but who knows? Uh, you know, we've seen stranger things. But Ballard has such a relationship with them and the people that that they worked for that I think he'd have a pretty strong if if they agree, I don't think you'd have another Josh McDaniel situation. Let's put it that way. I would, I would agree with that. I think, like I said, you, you can't predict that ever happening anyway. It's not something you're, you know, you, you kind of have to be wary of uh, since we've never really seen something like that before happen. But I would agree, barring them being on a Super Bowl staff, you just out of your control of, of physically not being able to hire them. I'm with you. I think that we'll have a head coach uh, two Tuesdays from now. Just because also, too, I think deadlines make deals. Right now, as we record this, no one has named a head coach. Right? There's five openings currently as we sit here and record this podcast on Tuesday. And I think while everyone's kind of taking their time, and again, today's technically the first day that you are able to interview coaches that are still in the playoffs and on a staff. Um, I think now that you'll see kind of it pick up and once maybe the Panthers make the first domino or it's the Broncos make the first domino, then I think that kind of also helps push the Colts along because now 
candidates are starting to take jobs and it's like, okay, well, either you give me the job today or I'm going to go to Carolina or Denver or Arizona. So I do think that everyone's, while they're slow playing it now, I think that will kind of, you know, be a domino effect once we start to see the first hire or two go. And that will kind of speed up the Colts process as well. So I think I said two, two days from now, by January 30th, by February 1st, we should have the new head coach of the Colts set in place and should have, should have, like outside of a, a Super Bowl appearance, a uh, press conference, I will say as well. All right, when we return here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod, a lot of head coach talk, but also a lot of quarterback talk as well. Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com will join us, Ohio State B-Riders, seen a lot of C.J. Stroud, get his thoughts on his NFL draft prospect uh, when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. <laughs> 